0: Good evening, and welcome to the Radical Fabulatorium. I'm your host, John Adamian. All right, I've got a special episode for you today. I sit down with two former high school classmates, Kurt Goddard and Christian Meyer. Kurt takes the role of host on this episode, with yours truly, playing sidekick. Kurt is the Executive Director of Legal and Public Affairs at Inclusion Canada, founder of the Devon Deer Ad Hoc Running Group, and member of the Fredericton Trail Runners. And Christian Meyer is a former professional racing cyclist who rode from 2005 to 2016 and competed in all three Grand Tours. After retiring from cycling, he switched to trail running and recently won the TDS, a grueling 157-kilometer race in the Alps. This win marks the first time a Canadian has won one of the Ultra Trail du Mont Blanc preliminary races. Enjoy,
1: Christian Meyer. What's
0: going on? Hey guys, how you doing? Good. he's <laughs> ways it's blue
1: skies in Girona today. Look at that.
2: It's just definitely blue skies in Girona today. <laughs> wow. It's still summer here. Still like uh, it's like over thirty
0: degrees here still. Wow. So, I was wondering if we were going to interrupt your uh, your siesta. Uh, no, I'm not
2: a huge siesta. Well, sometimes I do, but, uh, not a huge siesta guy. It's kind of starting to slowly phase out a bit here in Spain, to be honest. The old siesta. Okay. 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 People, people are, uh, people, yeah, I think people are starting to slowly adopt a more, uh, nine to five work life these days. I mean, the siesta is great, but... To be honest, it's also a bit of a gong show because at the end of the day, you start at like you work from 10 to 1 and then you work from like start again at 3 o'clock, but then you have to work to like 8 o'clock. And it's a bit like I think people are a bit over it. You know, I prefer to do 9 to 5 versus having your day broken up like three times in between and get home late, eat late, like that whole thing. Hmm. Um, So it seems like it's kind of people are realizing maybe 9 to 5 is pretty nice. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. That so I can, I can, I can do, something in the, do something in the evening, you know, not yeah. have to just work till late. Yeah, was he seem but, like a tease uh, yeah. going home for a yes. bit and then
0: going back to work.
1: Yeah, those are long Yeah, I feel like That'd you're working terrible. all the time, though, Christian. Yeah. yeah. You don't take a siesta. Yeah, right? exactly.
0: Um, no, I don't work that much, but yeah. Cool.
1: What well, yeah, no, are you guys I, doing?
0: Nice. Jay, it's your show. Yeah, it is my show, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so this is for yeah. my show at a radio station here in St. John called The Radical Fabulatorium. Yeah. I thought it'd be cool to... Actually, yeah. so I saw Kurt post an article about uh, you winning the, the race there, the the marathon race, the ultra marathon, yeah. I guess. And I thought it'd just be cool yeah. to kind of like uh, yeah. walk through your story from when you left high school and cool and uh, where you're at now. Yeah.
2: Oof. That's a long story. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, like, everything, everything.
0: everything. Yeah. In the last 40 years.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah personally i just want to say congratulations that was a super it was just a super neat thing to see uh a guy from nightville i'm not sure if you self-identify uh being from nightville or you're a Girona man now yeah sure i I i thought it was really cool and i just wanted to like translate it to because um you know ultra running is still growing here and not everybody might I yeah. uh, understand the magnitude of that achievement. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was really cool. Mm-hmm. And, uh, anyways, yeah. thanks Jay for having me on and Christian. Yeah. Thanks for, uh, I just want to say congrats. So
2: that's It's cool. It's, it's cool to see, uh, a few guys into it. Oh, I see Collins into it. Uh, I see John Corbett's a bit into it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe not so much, maybe not so much the ultra, but just running in general. And, uh, yeah, it's cool see Colin. Like, he's really into it, isn't he? He's
1: doing great. He's, uh, yeah, he's he's killing yeah. it. And uh, um, yeah. yeah, so so Jay, how does this work? Should we should we get underway? Can I start hitting Christian Hi. with uh, the questions or like?
0: Yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah, you're the running. You're expert. like you're, you're the, like, uh, you're, the like, uh, you're the expert. I'm not. The, so. I think Christian is the expert. Well, uh, I mean, I'm in the co-host a, sense, uh,
1: <laughs> I'm uh, an amateur <laughs> hobbyist on the fringes of this. Um yeah. oh, Christian. So well, Christian, I, I think hobbyist also. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think there's um, you've been a, you've been out of the province for uh, for a long time. I'm sure you've come to visit and mm-hmm. visit your family. So there's probably a lot of folks uh, listening, um, Jay's, Jay's mm-hmm. listeners, that might not be familiar with your story. If you could just kind of give a, mm-hmm. a bit of an overview of like your time after leaving Sussex, a little bit of some of the highlights that you were you were a professional cyclist um, for many years. Yeah. And if maybe let's start there. Yeah. Just yeah, let's open sure. Tell us a little bit about Christian, sure. the man and the cyclist.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, to begin with, yeah, I mean, uh, Sussex, New Brunswick, Nightville, born and raised, uh, Sussex High, like, uh, lots of good people, um, started kind of cycling the last couple of years of high school, I guess, probably when I was 15, 16, started. Small group in town, uh, you know, it was the, uh what were we called the wheelers the something wheelers holy crap the,
1: the crew had an name. yeah an no
2: no no. there was there was a, it was like a club there was like a cycling well a mountain biking club um that we rode every tuesday evening mostly we started in sussex corner we go out to the bluff and some different things and then yeah. wasn't a big group you know we maybe get six, seven, uh, McNairs and, you know, those brothers and, and a few other Brad Fulford and some, some people. And that was really cool. Uh, and that kind of got the cycling going a bit more and mountain biking. And but it was still, you know, cycling and, and, was a super niche sport, um, kind of in Canada in general, to be honest, it wasn't really a huge thing, but somehow kind of fell into it. And then, uh, was working at the bike shop, um, in Sussex, um, Broadway cycles. And, and then that kind of led into, you know, uh, watching Lance at the time when his grand tours and, and that sort of thing, and really kind of just fell in love with, with riding bikes. I mean, it's where we grew up, obviously it's just an amazing place to ride. Uh, there's so much to do. There's so many roads, super quiet. Like it's just a really beautiful place to explore. And in that time, like before we had driver's licenses and things like that, getting on the bike is amazing. It's sort of this sense of freedom, really, because, you know, you jump on and you can do relatively easily uh, 100 kilometers, you know, and that when you're young, that 100 kilometers is a pretty big radius from your house, you know, Uh, versus like just taking the bus to school and coming home. So it's just kind of real unique sense of freedom when you're a young person to be able to just go and explore, like leave the house and just go riding in one direction and see what's down there and then come back. And, and, you know, we have a lot of, obviously a lot of forests and and forest roads. So it was a lot about just getting out there and, and exploring really was kind of what piqued, um, my interest for cycling. Then sort of the competitions thing. So I have it started and, and, um, started racing more and then that sort of just continued to slowly develop until you know I really realized probably at 17 that I just I wanted to be a professional cyclist um I felt like I kind of chose that like I would have chosen any job it was just like okay that's what I want to do um did you my parents were always very yeah did you
0: didn't you come you came across like a magazine or something do you remember which book which bookshop you would have found that at
2: that was, well, a bookshop. That was like the kiosk in the mall. Yeah. Um, it wasn't really a bookshop. But it was just like, you know, um, in the mall, there was, just, yeah, this little kiosk out front. Like they would kind of probably roll out the shelf every day with magazines on it. Um, and that's kind of where I saw the first mountain biking magazine, Mountain Bike Action magazine. Uh, cool. I remember just picking it up and be like, oh, these bikes are so cool looking. You know, they're like, big suspension and they yeah. kind of had this thing of like it was kind of like a dirt bike without the engine which was really cool to me um i was always like my brother was always really everything to do with motors and you know uh four wheelers and trucks and everything that was like really his thing um and then i was a bit more the opposite where i just everything without motors uh really so cycling kind of fit that bill cool really well um and then started competing and and um you know, we go a lot up to Quebec. It's like kind of the closest, closest place you could drive to. Chris, and, and Christian, race to. did anybody
1: in your family or you just on your own, you're like, I, you bought a bike, you started training, and you found a race with like, and you heard about. Yeah, that's it essentially.
2: I mean, I think a lot of my, uh, like no one in my family really did sport. Um, I was the only one. But a lot of that influence came through the club, uh, okay. like that club we had in Sussex Corner. Wow, wow. There's, there's people there who are racing and then like, you know, they were all going to races. So then I would take along, and like, you know, I kind of, it kind of grew that way. Um, and so I kind of almost had an essence a little bit like my cycling family, uh, which is really led by, uh, the Fulfords, So Brad Fulford, he was some years older than me and he kind of, uh, you know, would take me to a lot of races and he'd race and I'd race and, um, and that was really cool. Um, so it's almost kind of like I had that part that was a bit of like the cycling family, and then because to me, cycling was something. Um, my parents were very supportive of cycling. You know, they said, you know, if you want to be a pro, that's fine, go. That we, you know, that's great. Um, but for some reason, when I was young, I really kind of had like cycling was really my independence. Like it's something I really wanted to do for myself, and. Um, you know, like as you are, when you're young, you have this kind of stubbornness of like, you know, you want to do it on your own, not with your parents' help. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? So in the beginning, like they never really came to my races, um, because I would just go, they wanted to, but it was more for my part. I would just go with my, you know, cycling friends and whatnot. or something I was doing on my own. Um, and then, um, but then later on they would, uh. Come to my mom would come to all the world championships I ever did, and, and they came to the Tour de France when I was there and things like that. But early on, it was really like an independence thing for me. Mm. Um, and you needed a license to. So do... Yeah, then we started kind of race. You needed a license to do downhill racing. Yeah, you do. Yep, you definitely need a license. And then um, when I started, I wasn't old enough yet to have a license. Mm-hmm. Uh, you needed. I wanted to race downhill. That was my my thing. But then you needed a license, so. Um, the first year, two years I had to race cross country. Yes. Cause you couldn't get a downhill license until you were like a junior expert level. So you kind of had to get up to getting that license. Um, and I was too young. So I would race cross country on the weekends. Um, just because to be honest, I just wanted to race everything. I just wanted to race bikes. I didn't care what it was. If it was uphill, downhill, uh, you know, whatever it was on the road. Uh, I just loved Loved cycling, so it didn't really bother me uh, just to do whatever. But you know, we used to do. But even then, when I was young, I was already riding a lot of downhill and doing all that, even though I couldn't race. You know, because um, also that's what a handful of guys in the club were also doing. Um, so you're just kind of exposed to all these different styles of biking and and just kind of want to do it all. Um, so then, kind of yeah, I started racing and and uh, actually when I really decided that I wanted to be a professional, I thought that I should probably go to Belgium because Belgium cycling is huge in Belgium. You know, it's like, you know, like the hockey of, of Canada. And I thought, well, if I want to be really good, I should go there because like that's where the best cyclists are. And I didn't know what I was going to do when I got there, but I just thought, I just need to go there. Um, So actually my last Last semester of high school, um, they actually let me do it by correspondence because I sort of had all my credits and everything already. Oh, cool! And so then I just went to I went to Belgium from like January until uh, May, actually. Okay. Um, I just went over there. I had an aunt and uncle who lived there, uh, so I just went, stayed with them. Were they
1: in Brussels, uh,
2: or where were they? Yeah, exactly. They were in Brussels, so just south okay. of Brussels, uh, on the south end of Brussels, okay. which was actually quite good for getting out and, and riding. But I had no real plan what to do, like club or if I was going to find races. I mean, I didn't know. I just thought, well, I'll go and see what happens. And then um, on the second day that I was there, I went out on a ride, and I saw just in a parking lot a couple of guys loading bikes on a, like mountain bikes on the top of their car so I just like pulled up and asked them like <laughs> hey guys you know I'm from Canada <laughs> you know which way and, I was, and, 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 and the good thing is like w- you know we learned French in school so mm-hmm. there was like a French speaking mm-hmm. part of, of Belgium so I just like asked them like you know what's kind of the best place to go biking should I go this? You know, just point me in a general direction and and I'll figure it out. Back then it was also like a lot different. Yeah. Like now we're so used to, you know, Strava or yeah, you know, having yeah. A, yeah. some kind of GPS device on your bike or your phone or your watch. Like, yeah. you know, none of this stuff existed. You know, yeah. you know you're know, you still going over there with like a flip phone or not. I mean, I, didn't have, a flip phone, I didn't have a phone, but like, you know, calling home would be like going and getting like a, you know, a phone card where you have to like scratch the numbers off the back and you dial it 1-800-NUMBER <laughs> and put it in your code and like you could be yeah. call through to home. So it's like, it was so different than it is now. You know? mm-hmm. um, so I would just go riding with, uh, just go riding with a map in my pocket and then I would just ride like, I don't know, an hour and a half <laughs> that way and figure out, pull my <laughs> map out, see <laughs> which what? town I was in and then kind of work my way back. What did they think of you? You're like, this guy
1: just shows up. He's just this, he's, you're, you're, yeah. you're a kid. Still in high school. <laughs> I was a kid, yeah. I was. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> did they accept you immediately? Or like, did they take you under their wings? Yeah, like, so- well.
2: <laughs> no, but it was cool. These guys were like, yeah, we actually, we run a junior team. So I was considered like junior age group. Like we run a junior team. Um, that we, it was from Scott Bikes. It was like a factory junior team. Um, and they just said, oh, if you want to come out one Tuesday and go riding with us, like, cool. I was like, all right, great. Cool. And then uh, did a couple of rides with them and then they invited me to join the team. So I did like three months of the team over there, just like doing training camps and races. It was super cool. Um, and they loved it because like for them, uh <laughs> the Euro style is a bit more, especially Belgians. They're very, um, they're very known to not really want to leave home. You know, they're kind of
0: okay,
2: a bit by their moms. Like we go <laughs> in a training camp, and like and like we go, at, we'd go in a training camp for like I don't know a long weekend, right? But like, I two hours drive, like nothing, like it's just right there. Yeah, and then you know. Their moms would come to make sure they're okay. And I mean, he's like 18 year, 17 year old. You know, and you're like, I, I've, I've wandered and like, off a continent. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and and that's what like the the management they love so much. You're like, look, you guys, like, this guy's here. He's like 5,000 kilometers from home. <laughs> that's awesome. On his own over here, like you know, trying to be a bike rider, and you guys are you know raising a stink because you're, you're an hour and a half from, from mom's house. You know? Incredible, and, uh, incredible. So, so that was really cool. And then, but that really was like for me a big kind of turning point because when I came back, uh, I had really sort of progressed quite a lot because, you know, you in, in, in and at home, I mean, in the winter, you don't go riding outdoors. So like Mm -hmm. you spend time like riding on the home trainer or doing things like this. You just couldn't do the same amount of work or volume or the racing level was nowhere near as high so just having that exposure over there for those those months, when I came back, I was, you know, quite a lot stronger. And then I started to feel like, well, I've made, a like, a big progression. And then that led to sort of being um, racing on the national team and then doing my first world championships. And then, um, yeah, from there, I kind of progressed to... Um, when I left, I was done school. We went to... Um, probably when I was 19 or 20, 20 maybe, uh, moved out to the West Coast, to Vancouver, and then I was riding on a team there.
0: So you are in Belgium for how long? Um, and then that slowly... You were in Belgium for a few years and came just home? Just three months. Three months. Oh, okay, okay.
2: No, no, just three months. Yeah, that was it. And then I was back in... Uh, just I was just, just, just summers, as a child. Uh,
1: just three months. Yeah, yeah. Exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and so it was so, I, it was so crazy. I remember getting on the plane and I was like, this is wild. Like, <laughs> yeah. I remember i I'd, I'd never flown anywhere ever like that oh, I could rem- remember once when I was like yeah. like a yeah like a like an infant with my parents, but not that I could remember had I been on a plane mm-hmm. yeah, and then like I flew over and uh I remember landing in London Heathrow, which is just this like enormous airport, and I was just like, this is insane, like I've never seen anything like this in my life, <laughs> but also at the same time it was so <clears throat> so amazing because you kind of just out there and you really realize that one thing i always told myself was like you can always figure everything out mm-hmm. do you know what i mean like if you're lost at the airport you just have to ask somebody mm-hmm. and they'll tell you which way to go like there's nothing it didn't feel like super overwhelming because you just kind of i mean i was pretty nonchalant guy, so You kind of just take it as it mm-hmm. comes and figure yeah. things out and yeah. just like you know play by ear and see what happens. And yeah, worst case, you can ask somebody to give you a hand or point you in the right direction or, or, or do whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. so I remember being quite wild, but then like the exposure you have at a young age to different cultures and different people and different ways of thinking and just seeing the world was so amazing. Um, and it really changed my life quite a lot when I was young. And then, and then, thereafter you know like coming back to sussex and then to school and like after having traveled and been over fees and like feeling really independent and and uh when you came back it really kind of felt like you were a lot more mature than your peers mm-hmm. for example you know just because you had that yeah. exposure even though it was only three months but it's like you really had to take care of yourself and figure your own shit out and yeah. like so then it was like, you know, you come back, it's like, oh, you feel like you've really grown and you've, you know, you're, you've matured a few more years beyond, you know, your age. So I oh, was, those were
1: really invaluable times. They were pretty amazing. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, I don't want to make this about me, but I have my memory of yeah. you and yeah. Colin, my one memory when I think about you getting yeah. these names from high school is is you and Colin just with your heads on the desk and just like sitting there yeah. just totally bored out of your mind i'm like these guys like, <laughs> like these yeah. guys are, are talented athletes that just want to be out and doing stuff not, not uh, doing stuff yeah yeah um
2: yeah so I mean, we'll it's call- kind of it's kind of true i mean it was like I, I didn't i mean certain things in school i didn't mind but it was a bit like at a certain point you started to feel like okay you've maybe done enough of school and it's time
0: to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> can do something yeah. else now. Yeah, Where'd that true. nonchalantness come from? Like you're talking about if you were lost in the airport, you're like, ah, oh, this is no big deal. Is that something like your whole, uh, like a value, your whole family kind of shares? Uh,
2: the laid backness definitely comes from my father. He's a very chill guy. Um, very chill guy. Um, so I think that comes from, uh, definitely from his side. My mom's not,
1: quite as chill well, more uh, let's let's not get I'm mom I'm in let's not get you into trouble i i just <laughs> no, I'm, no, no, no. I'm just no, 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 no. i'm am uh, I'm conscious of time and uh, so you kind of give us a really neat insight to to your early life but i mean i still on cycling because you're a guy not everybody from sussex believe it or not goes to the tour de france uh I, could you tell us like is there some um like, what was this like? Is there is there a, a a moment when you were at this prestigious race? And there's probably races you're like they always want to talk about, port of France. Is there another race that you uh, you uh, have this uh, a, a feeling like, oh, I've made it, or this is incredible? Like, I can't believe, like, I've made it this far. Yeah.
2: Uh. No, the Tour is definitely that unique moment. I mean, there's no other races like the Tour de France. I mean, even just, you know, completing the Tour would probably outweigh other potential victories you've had, you know, just because it's such um, it's such a unique event in terms of, you know, it's only, let's see, you've got 20 teams with, well, it used to be nine riders, now it's less, but, you know, it's like, realistically, probably the 100 and 80 best guys in the world at that time, like at that year, right? Like, because all the teams, you know, to go to the tour, they only send their best guys to the tour. Um, So the level is incredibly high, like definitely the highest of all the races throughout the year to have that depth. Um, And you have the media, you have like every day is, is like every single day, there's interviews of some kind, you know, when, when I got to do it, and I was a rider that, um, you know, it wasn't for granted that you would just kind of be on the tour team for me. You know, there's a lot of riders where, you know, the best guys in the team, they already build the season around going the to Tour de France. And like, you know, bar accidents, you know, they're probably going to do the tour. I was a guy who was kind of always more like, um, you know, I could have been the ninth or the tenth rider. You know, like I wasn't a big prolific winner or leader, but I was quite good at being a, a domestique So for me to do it was, uh, you know, an amazing opportunity because it was one that, you know, I had to work really hard for and that could have and only arrived once in my career. Um, So for me, that's really special. And then, you know, in all, there's been not many Canadians. um, So there's a lot of media attention, like, you know, especially from the east coast side, you know, Mm -hmm. like New Brunswick and that. It's like people are calling... Cool. you know, every other day people want to do interviews and like, you know, they're going out to my parents' house to do interviews with my parents. Really? And like, yeah. Well, it's kind of like, yeah, it's like really funny stuff, you know, like CTVs out there doing, you know, yeah. interviews with my parents and they're on camera and it's, uh, it's, it,
1: uh, so it just it doesn't surprising. happen though. We just, yeah. you don't hear of, yeah. of this, this yeah. particular life course from the, the area, yeah. uh, area or from, is, is there yeah. a, uh, is there a moment or a day or, uh, an instance when you were on the tour where you, you felt like that you're particularly proud of that. You're like, I can play ball with these guys. Like I can, I can, these are the best Uh, in the world and I had a good day today.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think you kind of feel that just to be there. Um, like, you know what it takes to be there and, you know, in the tour, um, well, I was generally always playing more of a support role, but then one of our um, leaders crashed out early on. So there's a couple of days where I went for the breakaway and, and being in there was obviously very, very amazing. Um, but also I think the real highlight, um, something that's super amazing is, you know, obviously the last stage into Paris when you're doing a lapse of the Champs-Élysées um, and you're kind of finishing at, you know, dusk and it's just like... It's such an insane experience. There's so many people and and you know, as a team, you know, everyone's gone through and and it's just a lot of elation and you know, it's just this real peak of the cycling season. Um, so just being there to the finish is is already the highlight. Yeah. Cool. Incredible. Incredible. You mentioned the,
0: Yeah, you mentioned that like there's 180 r- racers in the Tour de France. So like how many that's out of mm-hmm. how many in general? Like, uh... How thousands, many be, Thousands of racers? Um, well, in the
2: world tour, so you essentially have, uh, 18, uh, maybe it's, let's say, generally 20 world tour level teams, which mm-hmm. would be in, pretend, would be invited to the teams, and each team would have about 30 riders. So I think, like, you already have, essentially it kind of goes from, like, all the cyclists in the world mm-hmm. get cropped down to about 600 who race at the top top level. Okay, um, you know throughout throughout the 20 teams, mm-hmm. um, and then you know then that gets cropped down again to your you know 180 that do the tour, for example.
0: Okay,
1: cool. So, so uh, you have this this incredible career that you reach the pinnacles that many other people on the planet will never reach. And then you, it comes, kind of comes to an end, at least competitively. But you, I understand you still cycle a lot. But like, when when did you first uh, throw on, put on the running shoes? Like, when did that? when did you discover ultra running, running in general? Did you always run? I guess I, I tell tell me about the transition. Uh,
2: yeah. So running was fairly well is fairly new. Um, it kind of happened more during COVID when I stopped cycling professionally I I actually retired relatively early I retired when I was 31 which is quite early in cycling terms because you know in Girona we'd started these businesses and I kind of felt like you know cycling you've kind of reached what I really want to do and then I could have continued comfortably for another six seven eight years Um, but I felt that it was going to kind of be a bit stagnant, you know, I was going to get to a point where it's yeah. like same training camp, same races, same. And it's just kind of a bit like groundhog day, um, where I really like to keep doing things and growing as a person and trying new things, having new challenges. Um, so I left cycling actually a year early. I still had a year of my contract, but I asked the team if I could, if I could stop early and then was more on the business side, um, with our businesses. And then, um, but still riding a lot and i had gone a little bit more into doing um gravel riding uh bike packing um these types of things where you're going on these more big adventures um like riding around the world and places like tajikistan and and just getting out there and seeing the world mostly off-road sort of like so gravel riding Yep. and um, spending the night like in and then during, in tents and stuff like yep. that yeah cool tents and just like a bivvy bag just yeah, little you, mat bivvy bag. you're not, you're not out coming out back nice from
1: Tajikistan in a in a day like you gotta stay out there for a little while
2: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah exactly it's a bit of a trip yeah um, and then COVID hit and then after that uh, in Spain we had a particularly bad lockdown So we had like three months where you couldn't leave the house. Wow. Um, Like, yeah, you could only go to the grocery store or the hospital. That was the only thing you're allowed to leave for or to walk your dog. So we were lucky because
1: we had, and and, and you had, and Uh, I know you, you gloss over it, but you have, you have multiple successful businesses on top of being, uh, of successful. Yeah. So we have a few, a few,
2: a few businesses in Girona. We have, uh, uh, two cafes, uh, we roast coffee. We started a a bike shop a few years ago that grew quite a lot that we're no longer involved in, but it's still, still there. And then we have a running store and Girona now, uh, a small running clothing brand. So yeah, we're generally pretty busy. Um, but, uh, when COVID hit, it was kind of like, oof, you know, I can't really do much. I was riding a bit indoors. And then when they finally let us out, we were allowed out to do sport, but we were really confined to our municipality, hmm. which didn't really make much sense to go riding because it was like, yeah, you know, just riding in circles around town. So I started to do a little bit more running and I'd always enjoyed running. Um, I did a little bit, Back when I was still living in Sussex in the winter, when I couldn't really ride, I would do some a bit of running in the winter. Um, and then once in a while, because the trail running here is insane, um, I used to, to dabble a little bit just in the off season, like the cycling off season. But it was one of these kind of things where I still loved cycling so much that cycling was always like my priority sport. Like whenever yeah. I could do it, I just wanted to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. So. But then having this longer period of being introduced uh, to running, um, especially trail running here in the hills, I just got like hooked on running. And it kind of really felt like the evolution, like that next step from, from the gravel riding. Um, you know, you could really... You know, riding a bike can take you so far, but then running is really, like, you can go just about anywhere. Like, hmm. kind of, you can get to the peaks, you can do the last yeah. bit. Like, by bike, you can kind of get to the mountains, but you can't necessarily scale the mountains. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I just started running, and I was just...
1: So, so Christian, so when you it. say, that, like, uh, it was... Uh, running was already insane there. Was there, was there like, a vibrant trail running c- community already in Girona that you could, that you are able to step into or?
2: Yeah. Girona's a pretty funny place because, um, there's a lot of like running in Catalonia to running in Catalonia is, is huge. Like it's it's okay. massive. Like there's a huge history of it. Um, many of the best in the world, um, are from Catalonia. Um, like it's, it's just a crazy place for sport. Um, okay and and gerona is this kind of funny place where you kind of uh sometimes forget that you're in this um so the guy that i kind of started running with mostly in Girona, he owns a small sports store family sports store uh in 2015 i think it was like he won the ccc at utmb which is the 100 kilometer uh, race uh, well. uh, and like has placed at other events at UTMB. So there's all like, there's that level is, is here and it's around. And those people are like, it's a weird place because it's, there's so much high performance that you kind of don't realize. Cause it's just your day to day. It's just like the people that are here all happen to be.
1: Oh, Oh, is he coming back? <laughs> Maybe he
0: the suspense. I
1: don't know maybe he just. Oh you yeah, we're, you're back. You're back. back. Wait, <laughs> you didn't go running on us. You just got so excited, <laughs> yeah, you started yeah, yeah, running. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so you're in that like you were t- you're you left off like you're just in this incredible environment for running. Like it just
2: yeah, had, yeah yeah it was incredible and surrounded by all these incredible athletes and people that have you know had big successes. And those are just like the people that you start running with. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of you take for granted, like, wow, you're kind of in this mecca. Enough. It's only when people kind of come from the outside in and kind of remind you, you kind of realize, oh (laughs) yeah, there's a lot of
1: what is this place? Really, really,
2: (laughs) really strong people here. So, so that was pretty amazing. And then you know, spending time with them and learning and running and and then like, Uh you know, you you set your baseline already so high because you're that's like. These yeah, people you're starting running with. So it's like, you know. I'm, really I'm hanging but, out with uh, these champions.
1: Wait, Christian, t- tell, exactly. tell us about you. When, when was the first race? You're like, I'll try that. I'm going to dabble in. Like, what's what's your very first yeah. running competition?
2: Yeah, so we did uh, the very first one we did was actually like a, like a 10K virtual race. This was like just as COVID. Yeah. Uh, like events weren't really happening yet. And like, they were doing these virtual races where you just track it on your phone or whatever. Huh, cool. So we already had, I'd start, I'd started kind of like, a just a small running club, um, like just getting people together to go running. And then, so there was this virtual race that we all did and it was on the flat. Um, and I hate running on the flat, but it was 10 kilometers. So like, I mean, I don't remember what time I did, maybe somewhere like 39 minutes or something but I did that and I was like, this is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Like (laughs) it felt so hard because you were just like, it felt like I was just absolutely sprinting for 10 kilometers and my heart rate was through the roof and like, and, you know, running on the flat, I mean, there's quite a lot of skill involved in like becoming an efficient runner. And, you know, and there's people in, in the run club who, you know, I knew I was, a stronger athlete like I had more of an aerobic capacity but they were beating me because they were just more efficient runners and I was like this is so crazy and but I was so enthralled because to me it was so amazing because you're so bad at it (laughs) it just means that there's so like there's so much you can learn like there's so much improvement there that it's like it's exciting to do that you know it's exciting to go through that process of of growth. Like I, like when I started cycling, I felt like when I started running, I was right back at the beginning where I was like, you know, I'm not that fast. You know, I might be strong cardiovascularly, but I'm not a good runner. I'm a terrible runner. And and then just going through this motion of like starting over and getting into something building, because I realized like for me cycling at that point, like I'm never going to be, the cyclist I was, like, I hit my peak years ago as a cyclist, um, and I know that I'll never. I could maybe get close, but I'll never be that cyclist again. But in running, I felt like you know, there's a lot of runway guys,
0: before, I reach, yeah. <laughs> before I reach, before I, yeah. before
1: I reach my peak there.
0: Cool. So it, it just allows Christian, that. Christian, Christian, did you notice
1: as you as as you were going into this this new sport, and you're like. Coming from the Tour de France and then humbled by the mechanics of and, this thing, was what about the culture? Was there a different culture? Was it truly a different sport or was it just kind of, was it just like cycling? No, it's
2: a much, much different culture. I think running is, the beautiful thing about running is that it's so, um, well, it's so much more accessible. At the end of the day, I mean, cycling is you know quite an expensive sport, to be honest, and, and and generally in cycling, I always found it was more, not always, but had a sort of slightly a more elitist feel, you know, like certain groups who, you know, if you get dropped, they don't want to wait for you. Or, you know, it was just, it was a different vibe where cycling or as running, um, like our running groups that we have here around the run store and that it's just, it's super open, like all kinds of people come, people are happy to show up, like they do their trainings and their, and it's just everybody just is more open to coming out and enjoying and, and just, um, yeah, just so feels so much more inclusive um, than cycling sort of did to me. And, I mean, my, my approach of cycling was slightly different because obviously having been a professional and you have a slightly different view of the sport and then all that. But then running is like you're kind of entering it as a total amateur. Um, uh, so you kind of come from the ground up and you come, you know, with the community and, and, and that sort of thing. So it's, it's a much different feel.
1: Well, we're working towards the big one, but tell me people, you, you obviously don't just step into this and, and are, uh, amazing. So, and you, we had this virtual race, but what was yeah. one of them? Tell us about, if you don't mind sharing, like one of the more uh, humbling, yeah. difficult, Uh, running experiences on your journey? Like, what was like, oh, I got to Yeah, if you don't mind sharing.
2: They were were all pretty humbling, to be honest, for the most part. (laughs) Uh, No, it was quite funny. So this is kind of... It's only been around three years. And I mean, the most humbling part about running in general, excluding events, is that uh, it was really, really hard to make the transition. Uh, Again, cardiovascularly, you know, you're quite strong because you have a big background in cycling, but muscularly and uh, musculoskeletal, you don't have the same development. So, I mean, cycling, there's no impact, there's nothing. So it's really easy to do a lot of volume to ride and you can just keep riding and riding and riding. But running, you really have to take care of yourself. You know, these things like and core and all that like are is really a thing which I never did in, in, in cycling mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and I just had so the first year uh, so many injuries like injuries 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 and I made also the classic mistakes where I would do too much or run too hard or like all that stuff I did wrong uh, paid for all of it um, and then really realized that running, is something like everybody starts at the bottom. You know what I mean? Like there's no, there's no skipping steps. You know, you have to, you need those literally years of adaptation for your muscles to adapt, for your tendons to adapt, to develop good running form and all these things. They took me years. Um, So I think that was probably the most humbling. And then last year, um, Last year, I had I uh, had long COVID for the whole summer.
1: Yeah, not kind of realizing
2: thing. it initially. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, that was it. Was a real thing. It's, it's <laughs> it real. real. No, I, I totally
1: I, lost a, a pal a few weeks ago to long COVID. It's just, anyways, it's wow. a, it's a real serious. Uh, wow. mm-hmm. So you you, you had uh, you had long COVID, or do you still have long COVID?
2: Yeah, I had no. I had long COVID. I didn't actually, uh, I guess, didn't actually get COVID. Yeah. Um, like I don't Like I didn't. I don't know if it was asymptomatic or what happened, but I just started real. Like I started having these races where that were going really, really badly. Um, I'd started okay, but after like forty minutes, I would just fall off a cliff. Like wow. you know, I'd be like walking, and like I was just really bad. Um, and that kind of the first race, we kind of well, maybe it's training, whatever. The second race, it happened again, and then went and got checked out and everything, and then you know with some specific um, sports doctors who kind of knew what they were looking for. Because actually the long COVID is quite quite prevalent in, in elite sport. And the thing is because it's very different to each person, um, like it can be quite subtle. Like I didn't necessarily notice it so much in training. Mm-hmm. Looking back now there was probably some signs, but at the time we kind of I wrote it off as well just training a lot being tired but for me it came out only more at in racing when I was doing a really high effort for a really sustained period of time so I didn't really realize but like for a normal person like when I first got that and then I went to the hospital like the local uh, hospital got all these checks done like so many checks everything heart lungs and they're like, you're the fittest person we've ever seen. <laughs> you know, <they're> like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> something's off. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah. like a normal person would never have even noticed. Yeah. Like if they had the level of long COVID that I had, you know, I easily can do my, could have do my day to day functions. Like no problem. Like I even could have been, you know, a relatively active person and not noticed. It was only at like the yeah. high end elite part of it that I was, uh, that would hit me. Well, as I had another friend uh, who is older than me, but like he had long COVID and he was struggling to go to the grocery store. Hmm. You know, he'd come home and be tired from doing just that. So it's really like varied. So it can be many different things. So, you know, you started to see like, if you're really watching like the tour and some of these big races, uh, like the years of COVID or the year after, you just saw people that like performances of riders that were just a little bit off, you know, like they weren't their usual self. And a lot of times that was also their comment that they didn't feel their normal. So I think a lot of that was some underlying long COVID or something. Um, so, but we have a really good sports center in Gerona, and, and, and the, the doctor that runs it is an immunologist um, by specialty. So we straight away looked at the blood and he saw the COVID and then, you know long story short, it, it went away, and we did treatment, but um, wow. so last year was a bit like got a bit hammered and then and then this year I felt like it's the first year that things started to kind of click like I could do. I could do the kilometers that I felt I needed to do. Um, you know, I didn't have many yeah. setbacks in terms of injuries, and that just allows you to build a yeah. consistency. But consistency at the end of the day is the most important part. I
1: I don't want to rush. I know, Jay, we only have so much time. Uh, I guess my burn, my, I have one little burning question before we talk about this big Mm -hmm. goal, this amazing achievement that you've had recently, but like psychologically, you talked about the, the physical differences, but psychologically between cycling and running is there, I find at least between road running and, and trail running, there's a right. big difference. So is there a big difference between cycling mm-hmm. and 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 doing ultra?
0: I'd be curious to know, too, the difference between, like, a, the uh, team sport aspect and then doing it as yeah, a solo, yeah. solo aspect.
1: Yeah. yeah, sure. I mean,
2: uh, from the team aspect side, uh, completely different. Like, uh, yeah. to me, running is the first time that, you know, I kind of do this – side of the sport really just for me um like it's something that you know i have personal goals that would like to achieve um things like that or set certain goals and cycling was never like that in cycling i was always a a worker but i also that's what i wanted to do Um, and in cycling i identified a lot more with that role than i did with that of trying to win races or do things like that. Like I just really loved that because I just really loved cycling and I just wanted to ride all the time. And I didn't care. And and racing to me was and being a professional was okay, someone's paying me so that I can ride my bike and and do like I loved training and I loved yeah. riding around here in, in Spain and that it's a bit different. But running is a little bit more like I do it the competitive side I do really for myself to try to achieve yeah. certain things and set some bigger goals and and just try to, to get there and, and have that build up. And um, like I do my own training, so it's like I really like the, you know, figuring out the training, the blocks, and then like when are we going to do certain things like altitude training and, and, you know, training blocks more specific to the race you're doing and just kind of really digging yeah. into all those details and then and seeing if you can make it work at the end um, psychologically, it's it's um, it's quite similar, I would say, because when you're racing, um, especially on a day where you're let's say you're racing or the team is racing for a specific goal, um, like when we are doing those uh, like one-day classics, for example, in the spring, uh, like a Liège-Bastogne-Liège or an Amstel Gold. I mean, there are quite big races. They're like you know, seven hours-ish long, 6.50, 6, yeah. seven yeah. hours long. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and and in that period, you just spend the whole time like in this ultra-focused mindset, right? Because there's a lot going on. You've got the yeah. peloton, you've got narrow roads, you've got corners, you need to... So you're always on mentally, um, which is really unique because then after the race, you're very tired mentally mm-hmm. just because it's like playing a video game for seven hours, straight you know, you <laughs> you're, you're on it's it the like, whole time. Oh. Yeah, and so that's almost more taxing than than the physical sure. side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you're when you're doing ultras uh, for myself, I mean, different people have different ways and they how they yeah. approach doing something that long. But for me, it's really trying to uh, I just focus on very key things that I need to do. So like, and it just kind of goes on repeats a little bit in my mind. Like, yeah, eat, drink, you know. Um, you're coming up to an aid station. What are you going to do? Like, you know, fill yeah. in bottles. What do I need? What do I need to change? or I need to change? Like, clothes? But just yeah. try to, try to stay in this like super focused, yeah. um, state. Uh, so in that sense, they're, they're quite similar for me. Um, okay. but again, I think other people approach it from okay. different
1: aspects about how they try to deal with just being out there for a long time. It's so fascinating. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, and, yeah. and, and this, this leads to the, what brought this conversation uh, brought us together today is just just for people who are listening. This is Christian Meyer, born and raised in Nightville, New Brunswick. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, ends up at a in a festival called the UT. Christian, you correct me if I'm wrong, but it's at the UTMB, which is one of the most yeah. prestigious running uh, ultra running festivals on the planet. Uh, there's a there's a number of races during that week. All of there, I'd be interested to know how how you select which race to go in. One yeah. of them is called the TDS, which is an acronym for uh, uh, what is it? The Trastu Trastu Savoie. Sorry, there's some fr- yeah. there's some uh, Sussex French for you. But uh, <laughs> yeah. it is it's 150 kilometer, 150 kilometer. Uh, ultra, ultra race, and it's it's the elevation is like nine thousand meters or something like this. You, mm. if I get these facts wrong, and and not only this, you're not a you're not up against 100 and, uh, 180 competitors. There's like nineteen hundred people or sixteen hundred people running with you, mm. and and Christian Meyer from Nightville, uh he wins twenty minutes ahead of uh, the second place competitor and it's just an absolutely incredible stunning i watched the video when you come into the end and it just gives me chills but yeah. i just i yeah. saw that and i'm like people in new brunswick need to understand so can you t- can you tell me was that was that your goal for the season obviously that's like, like tell me about this win tell me uh, tell us about this yeah. race tell me where i've got raw, like yeah let's start with UTMB what is UTMB
2: Sure. so UTMB stands for Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc, um, which UTMB uh, in its right is its own race. They kind of re- refer to it as UTMB week um, because the Tour de Mont Blanc is quite a famous hiking route. So the Tour de Mont Blanc is 170 kilometers. Um, starts, uh, well, most people would start and finish in, in Chamonix or Les Houches, which is just next to Chamonix. Yeah. And it's a very famous hike because you can go, it essentially does the tour of Mont Blanc, which is the highest mountain in, in Europe. Um, so you go from, on the hike, you go through, start in France and you go through Italy and then you go through Switzerland and then you come back into France. So most people do this kind of hike maybe in, you know, 10 days or, or something wow. like that. Um, and then, you uh, about, so it was 20 year anniversary this year. So about 20 years ago, some, you know, uh, people from Chamonix, the, um, Pilates decided that they would like to do a race, you know, just a one day running race to see if (laughs) they could do, you know, the whole lap. And that year they had, I mean, it's quite a cool story, uh, just to read for people who are interested in it, just to research a bit, but they maybe had 20 30 people show up to do this race you know like obviously um this is kind of pre ultra running trail running really being a thing you know it's kind of starting in the us at this time with a famous race called western state 100 yeah um where that actually was a horse race and then one time a guy's horse collapsed so then he kind of did the rest of it running (laughs) and then decided that you know why don't they just do a running version of it um that's quite cool, but, um, and then it sort of just grew over the years. Um, so now they added races as it kind of grew. So now they have the, the UTMB, which is, you know, the big one, the full lap, 171 kilometers with, uh, around 10,000 meters of climbing. Then they have the CCC, which is courmaye Champex, chamonix um, which is 100 kilometers, so that goes on the same course. It Essentially, does the last 100 kilometers. So they start in in Cormier in Italy, and then go Switzerland to finish in Chamonix. Then they have the OCC, which is OCR Champex, Chamonix, which is 55 kilometers, and it's essentially sometimes it changes, but more or less it's the same. It's the last 55 kilometers of the same course. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. those are all based kind of on the UTMB or the Tour de Mont Blanc circuit, hiking yeah. circuit. Then uh, TDS is a different event. Um, it doesn't really do any of the, of the Tour de Mont Blanc route, but it starts in Courmaye, uh, also in Italy, finishes in Chamonix, but kind of reverse and all sort of to the south. Um, so that course generally is normally is 145 kilometers with 9,200 meters of climbing. Um, but it's, it's known for being a little more rugged, a little more technical, uh, obviously more climbing per kilometers than, than UTMB. Um, and it was always just regarded as a little bit more of a, let's say a tougher race. Um, this year we had, Um, really bad weather. So we had snow, a lot of snow. So they altered the course um, to take out one mountain pass, Um, but it made it longer. So we did 158 (laughs) kilometers. Um, So, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's a race. It's really just because when I started, when I started trail running, I gravitated towards ultra running. I think a little bit more based on like you know, like I was saying already the people I was surrounded by in Girona and like their their accomplishments and their achievements. And I started like watching you know, YouTube videos about UTMB and 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 there's some really great films on YouTube from like there's one in 2015 when, when Nike tries Nike takes this group of like American runners over to compete at Chamonix because historically the American runners had never done well there because the terrain is so much different. Like it's so much more technical. The American style of racing is, is much more runnable, smoother trails. And then the European style is, you know, rugged and big mountains. And, and, and they take this team over of, of guys to go and race in Chamonix and, and they end up doing all really well. And, and, you know, Zach Miller was a part of that team who finished um, second at UTMB this year. But that, and after watching other videos about you know all about UTMB, and I was really kind of inspired by by seeing kind of the emotion and the rawness and you know because when people come to a finish line at the end of 100 kilometers, 100 miles, or whatever, you know it, it's it takes a lot to get there, and you really feel when you see it, you feel their emotion and you feel kind of like the exhaustion and, 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 um, everything that goes along with that. So I was always really inspired by that, you know, specifically inspired by that finish line because it's, it's so iconic. Hmm. Um, and then TDS, I chose kind of more because last year I did, I had like the first part of the year, um, I was aiming to be more competitive uh, in slightly shorter races, and so I was training a lot uh, for that. Um, interestingly, I got to represent the Can- I got to represent Canada at the World Mountain Running Championships, which was totally wild because I'd I represented Canada numerous times on the bike, um, which was quite normal, because you know, you're professional. It's, it's just very kind of part of what you do. Um, but then I had the opportunity to do it in running. So like, I never thought I would compete That's again so cool. for for, so can, cool. for Canada, do it, yeah. doing something, you know, in a different sport. And then, uh, that was really cool. That was a really cool event. And, um,
1: and, and sorry, Christian, you have to get invited to UTMB. Okay. Like, do you have to get a point or you have to like, you can't just go.
2: Yeah, no. So they've got a point system now where you, um, you have to sort of collect these points similar. I mean, it was UTMB was a majority of UTMB last no, the year before last was purchased by the Ironman group. Okay. So now the qualifying system to get to which they called the final, which is, which is UTMB. Um, you have to go through a similar system as like an Ironman. Okay. So you have to go and do other races to qualify. Um, then you get these running stones and then you go into, you actually have to go into a lottery because so many people apply Um, you go into a lottery system and then the more stones you have, the higher your chances of getting selected. But then they also have a separate, um, they have a kind of an entry system for elite runners. So if you have like, you know, to be considered an elite elite runner, if you have like an index score above a certain level, um, you're considered an elite runner and then they have like guaranteed spots for elite runners or you can also enter through a, sponsor if they're sponsoring new team b but the most people have to enter through a lottery yes yeah, so you have to do other races on okay. the calendar um but uh but then after worlds i wanted to do my idea for the rest of that year was to do a race that was more of an adventure like just a really big day of running like it's kind of a unique feeling to sh- and and one that you kind of didn't by the end i didn't really have in cycling anymore but to line up at a race or an event that you really don't know what to expect. Like you don't know if you can finish, like it's longer (laughs) than you've ever done. It's harder than you've done. So you just like that unknown is, is, is really cool. You know, it's quite like just go out there. You've done all the preparation you can, but you just go out there and then, you know, you you take on all the different situations that arise to the race, and you manage your effort. You manage your did you your, have support your food? Who's you manage- Who supported you? Yep, uh, support. I usually do. Um, one of my sponsors is uh, Buff, okay. the caps. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. And they uh, they have a really big history at, at UTMB, and one of the the team managers always does the the aid stations. Um, so there's okay. in our race there was four aid stations where you could have service from your crew. Okay. Uh, and the rest, the rest is just open. Like you just take water and snacks and stuff. And then uh, my wife was also there. Um, was there with him. And then, uh, but yeah, it's also a hard job for them because you start at midnight. Um, and they gotta oh, yeah race to the next. Yeah. And they're yeah yeah they're doing the whole thing with you. You know, like they're. Yeah. You know, it's not like they're hanging out and sleeping, yeah. so they're up as long as you are, um, mm-hmm.
1: which is quite cool. Um, so, but, yeah, so and then... Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, So, so, so sorry, I sorry, know, Jay, I don't know what our constraints are, but, Christian, no tell us about the race. You, you started, there's, like, there's hundreds and hundreds of people, and you just, do you break away, and you're just feeling good, and you keep on sailing? Tell us about the actual race, like...
2: No, it's... Um, It's interesting because those really big races are really about um, managing your effort. You know, obviously everybody feels great when you start. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, the first 10 kilometers, it just feels easy because you've got all this adrenaline, this emotion, this everything. Um, But pacing, you know, one of the most crucial strategies of of your race, obviously. Um, So I always wanted to race within myself and just race my race, not get carried away by, you know, other people being off the front or, or whatever, or what position I was in or what, like I just had to just do my own thing. Um, so early on, we started off maybe a group of eight guys kind of went off the front relatively early. Um, and then from that group, a guy took off, um, and then our group split up a little bit, um, but it was pretty crazy because it, it's pretty cool. Because like when you started, I remember um, when you leave Courmayeur, so you leave the the town, and you're climbing up, and you're climbing up, and you're climbing up. And at one point, you look down, and you just see like thousands of headlights. You know, just like <laughs> like a like like a serpent going down this the far. mountain, right? Because yeah. you've got like You've got like, I mean it was close, I think I already said uh, maybe 18 or 1900 people. Incredible. Um, and like a bi- a big majority of those people are are there to have the adventure of it, you know, like a lot of those people, like average finish time is probably 30 hours,
0: mm.
2: right um, And you have, I think, a total of 38, I think we had 38 this year to do it because they made it longer. Um, usually, it's thirty-six hours is the time limit to to complete it. So, a big majority of people are are in that thirty-hour kind of range. But um, yeah, then we kept going. It kind of broke up a bit. But on the top of the first climb, like up the highest point of the first part of the race, before we dropped down to our first aid station, a kilometer fifty, was uh, like a snowstorm. So it was probably like zero or a minus one and, and very hard to see because you had snow was like coming head on and then you're running with a headlamp. So awesome. it's kind of like driving with the snow mm-hmm. on your car kind of thing. So it was quite difficult to see. And then eventually we, we dropped out of that. And then, um, by the time we reached kilometer 50, there was, I was maybe in fifth or sixth position. Um, and the guy that was leading, he was leading by like 25 minutes um, so he was quite far ahead. But you also kind of realize, like, pretty unrealistic pace that he was running. Okay. okay. I can imagine. Um, you know, like, a lot of people start fast or for whatever reason. I mean, I don't know. If they have their own strategies. Um, and then it was about 50 kilometers to the next aided aid station um and by the time we got
0: (laughs) i mean there there was there was other there
2: was like normal there was normal aid stations but i mean like the supported ones where i would see my my crew yeah uh, i was 50 kilometers later um and by the by the time we got there um i had taken the lead so i took the lead like maybe um at the top of Maybe uh, quite a long descent uh, into um, into uh, Beaufort, a kilometer and hundred ish. Um, and but interestingly, it was it was pretty wild because the top of that climb, like all the climbs that in the race over two thousand one hundred meters, had probably 10, 15 centimeters of snow. Uh, oh my so god! it was completely wet. Yeah, 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 it was really white out um it was foggy so at points when we went kind of off there's obviously kind of like a trodden trail that you're kind of following which makes it pretty easy sometimes but sometimes we would go off like what is the very used trail and there was times where it was like total white out like you couldn't see anything um so you're kind of really relying on your yeah your GPS navigation or things like that to see the next markers and to make your way through. So it's pretty. Uh, it was a.
1: This is when your your sure. your Canadian uh, <sighs> Canadian advantage uh, life. Yeah, your experiences just turns on. And you're like, this is yeah. nothing. This is yeah driving tonight. Yeah, field. but for me yeah. it was,
2: for me it was it was it was great. Like to be honest, the weather worked out really well for me because really hot weather is really hard. To yeah. Oh, we're losing here. Getting enough fluids and like yeah, whole, like hot weather is is a real yeah. yeah
1: it's a bugger. It's so, a bugger so Chris, to manage, Christian, especially over that distance. Christian, at what point? At what point? So you so you overtake this guy, and uh, at what point where you're like, I've got this one. I've got it. I think I can win this one. <laughs>
2: um, good question. I kind of thought. I tried not to think about it too much. Obviously, it's just so many things can happen. Like if you have a bad patch, yeah. like you think 15 minutes is a big gap, but if you have a bad patch, I mean, you can lose that on – because a lot of these climbs are, can be like 1,000 meters of vert. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, you, you could lose 15 minutes on, on one climb, <laughs> right? So it was really about just continuing to manage my effort, make sure I was eating well, doing yeah. everything – just keep, keep doing what you're doing. But then probably once you drop into, um, like coming off probably the last climb and then down, and then you're into Les Houches, uh, which is the last aid station. And then from Les Houches to the finish is um, eight kilometers flat, more or less. Yep, yeah. And, and there with the time gap, you realize, okay, like now actually if I just walked these last 8K, uh, <laughs> he, still wouldn't, he, he, still, he still wouldn't catch me so then well, you're kind of like okay, now I just need to get to the finish
1: And yeah. What was that like? like? Tell us about the finish What was it like coming into that crowd in Chamonix?
2: Yeah, it's, it's really wild actually because when you come into Chamonix at first you kind of, it's kind of not in a sense it is a bit odd, but you kind of you run into town on like down kind of Main Street which is uh, a walking, it's a pedestrian street. Um, so the first couple hundred meters, few hundred meters, you're really just kind of like running through people. Like at first, because you're the first <laughs> runner, people don't necessarily oh my realize that you're like leading the race. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and then when it starts, it's like some people kind of like start clapping and then people realize it kind of works its way forward, you know, and, and, okay. and whatnot. But then you come into like the last part, the last couple hundred meters are, like obviously fenced off kind of gated. Um, and then when you turn kind of the corner and you kind of go up to the, you know, to the home stretch, um, there you kind of really feel it like there, it's kind of really like electric and loud and there are thousands of people. And, and, um, that's where you really kind of like, it sinks in that, you know, you've won the race and, and, um, it's a really crazy feeling because it's because you actually, you have time to enjoy it because the next person in ultra running, it's not often that you come in like, you know, to a sprint or like, you know, you, you generally have some minutes or even more, um, where you can just take in the atmosphere, right? Hmm. Like you can walk the last hundred meters. Be you present. Can, cool. uh, wow. that, that yeah, that's so much different than cycling, right? Because it's always like, you know, you come screaming across oh. the finish line 60K an hour and it's like, and it's done, you know, like, um, but there you can kind of like come across and then enjoy it. And then you can kind of run back down, high-fiving people. You can do another loop. Like you can like, you can really <laughs> take it all in. Uh, after, after, when well, you so, were 19 hours, 19 awesome.
1: hours, what what was your time? 19 hours? Uh, 36. 1936. And you still want it to walk around. Just incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's like,
2: uh, <laughs> of course, you have like the adrenaline. But like yeah. the moment you cross the line, I was like, wow. Like when you stop, you realize like how much <laughs> your legs hurt. When you're in the moment, you're just kind of like pushing through and getting it done. You know, you're kind of like focused, you're doing your thing. But then the moment you stop, you're like, wow, okay. They, yeah. uh, they're really sore right now. Yeah. Um did, and you, then, did you have oh, some no, family? It's, it's it's so amazing. Yeah, I had uh, my wife was there, um, and then lots of lots of friends and new you know, like so it was it was really a really special experience and something that is is really feels like you know, again like a once in a lifetime type of thing that to experience because I mean, I don't think, I felt I could have done a good race, but I didn't necessarily expect to win. Um, And then to feel like all those emotions and to see all that and to see like, you know, the videos I watched where I got to see these people cross the finish line and then to have that feeling and and to feel the same and, and... and, you know, at the end of the day, it, it kind of is is pretty crazy to think that like not a lot of people get to win those races. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 not. I mean, UTMB's been around for sort of twenty years, um, but to be, I guess, at the end of the day, forever someone who won. Yeah, it's
1: it's, it's amazing. Or, or whatever, it's, it's amazing.
2: It's, it's pretty. It's, it's a pretty special feeling. Yeah. And to be honest, at the end, you're a bit like, you know, like it's amazing, but you almost kind of wish that it, maybe it had happened like two years from now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It's a bit like, well, it's like, oh, it okay, a six. bit too early. Because it feels like it should be something that you build towards over like years and years and like yeah, you kind of grind yeah. there and get there, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it kind of feels like it almost happened too soon that I almost – <laughs> didn't get to enjoy those couple of years of building and grinding, yeah. and um, but you know. That being said, obviously it's it's an amazing experience and remarkable. And, um, <laughs> yeah, and I have to figure out what the next next I sort of challenge is, which is always. I, I,
1: yeah, it like and Christian, we, we're like we're all very proud of you. I think in and when people hear this and they understand what you did, they're going to be just as proud as as us. of, of it. It's just it's just so insane. So before before I ask you what's ne- what's next, and like maybe you're going to come over, hop over, and do these Western states or something like that. But like, do you, is there anything you'd want uh, like young athletes in 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 Sussex in New Brunswick to know about? this journey is something they could take from your journey.
2: Yeah, I think it's a, it's, it's always crazy because I feel like, um, and I tell this to a lot of people, like, I don't feel I was, uh, a particularly talented athlete. Um, like, I was used to, you know, being willing to put in hard work, and we had to hard work hard when we were young because we grew up on on a farm, like a lot of people out there. So you kind of understood working. Um, but I wasn't an ultra talented athlete. But I just I really really wanted it. Like I didn't really give myself another option other than to be an athlete, you know. And then it was something that I I chased with everything I had in me, you know, like, um, you know, going to Europe and doing all that. Like I look back now, but like, it's not definitely was not easy. Like there's a lot of sacrifices. You know, I never went to, to parties. I never went to, you know, I didn't even go to prom. I mean, there's a lot of things that I didn't do because I was so, so focused on like, I want to achieve this and, also, it never felt at the time like you're sacrificing it because, you know, everything was about getting to do that thing, you know? Um, and I would have worked at a McDonald's to do it. I would have done anything, you know? Um, but where I'm sort of getting at is, it, like, one is to believe that you can do it because at the end of the day, everybody who is out there doing it is a normal person, you know? That's one thing I always told myself. We're all humans out here. Like, there's... A, 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 it just comes down to being able to do the training. And like I was, when I started cycling, like so many times we went to Europe when I, when I became like under 23 and kind of moved up to the ranks, like we were getting our heads kicked in like crazy. Like Europe was such another level. And then I would realize that, and a lot of guys stopped because they thought like, oh well, there's no way like the level here is just way too high. But I always just took it as like, okay, well now I have, you know, I know, what it's like over here. I know the level they're racing at and I just always looked at it from a logical standpoint of, well, I need to go home and now I understand um, what it takes physiologically. I just need to go home and I need to get myself that good. I need to train. I need to do like, but there's like, to me, it was always a logical rhythm of like, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: you just have to put the work in. Mm
0: -hmm. Like you put
2: the work in, you'll get something out. Um, But the true thing is, is that you really have to want it. And I think sometimes people tell themselves they maybe want something, but on the other hand, aren't necessarily willing to sacrifice everything it takes to get there. Um, You know, we live in an era where, unfortunately, sometimes you only see the best parts. You know, we live in an era where, with social media and everything, it's like, you only see the best part. You only see the PBs that a guy had. You only see yeah. the races that he won. You only, you only see that, but not often do you really understand everything that was behind it. Like all the work that it was done. Like the amount of times that you went running when you were maybe a little bit tired or you were like, it became a grind yeah. or like, but you yeah. always keep the big picture in the forefront. You know, like this is why you're doing it. This is why you're doing it. And, and just loving that aspect of, of grinding and doing it and doing it and doing it. Um, but then when you achieve something, it's, it's such a, an amazing experience, you know, like they're life changing experiences to, to feel those emotions and to, and to do all that. So, yeah, I would say definitely, you know, go for it. Um, it's going to be hard. Um, but I really believe that you can achieve anything you, you really set your
1: mind to buy that ticket to Belgium and just wander over there and see who you can exactly. find. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, exactly. that's so cool. So, so Christian, uh, sorry, Jay I took over your whole show, but Christian, like what's next? <laughs> are you, are you going to come over to North America and try these Western States? Like, are, yeah. uh, yeah. I mean,
2: next year, uh, I'm planning to do uh, UTMB, um, okay. to do the, the big one. Okay. um, The TDS was a... I mean, Western States is a uh, very difficult race to get into. Uh, They only have 367 uh, spots, which is really interesting because they only allowed them to have 367 because it was slowly growing. But then because it passes through this um, kind of like uh, an old native reserve that I I I believe is the story that essentially um, they no longer allow sport events to happen in these areas. Okay. But they made an exception for Western state based on the fact that they cannot increase the number of participants. Gotcha. So it has this random number of 367 because like when they did it, uh, I don't know, 15 years ago, that's how many they had signed up that year. And then the next year, it's like, you can't have any more than that. So there's there's a lot of qualifiers and things to, to, to do, to try to do it. Um, but it would be absolutely amazing race to do. And originally I was supposed to come back. Uh, I had a friend who was going to race Western state and I was going to do the pacing for him. And then I was going to come and race, um, I think I was going to do Quebec mega trail. Um, that was going on after the race. Uh, but in the end, he had a three, so we couldn't go, but, um, yeah, no. My plan is to come back and race. Yeah, I'd love to race something in Canada for sure. Cool. There's some great races there, actually.
0: Well, it Very sounds cool. like it sounds like Kurt could yeah. organize a race and, on the east coast, and I, I think
1: so. Sussex exactly. could have a really cool race. Yeah. We could do something cool and oh, I have an amazing race. Yeah,
2: yeah, could yeah. Do some amazing stuff out along the bluff. There's some amazing trails out there. Yeah,
1: Colin. Colin needs to get on that. Colin Swift. Um, yeah. So yeah. so uh Jay uh, Christian thank you thank you so much and yeah. you're going to go the goal right now though immediate goals. UTMB the big one I c- we can watch you next year. Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: yeah. Uh well cool. running is always on a sports race so yeah but it but a year's pretty far away. Yeah. You never know what what injury what injuries lurking around the corner but uh the intention is to 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 race
1: UTMB. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Cool. Yeah, and
0: I know, like. Uh, Thank you very much, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no problem. Like, and I, I know, kind of cool. behind the scenes, you've had your wife yeah. supporting you the whole way, and you've got those other businesses on the go. So, um, it'd be cool to come yeah. back on the show yeah. in the future and talk, like, purely about your entrepreneurial activities too, if that's ever something. You yeah. To do.
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can just put her on for you. That would be on Yeah, she's, sure. Uh, she's. Uh, uh, yeah, she's the heartbeat
1: of. Of the businesses that's for sure is she still got a working te- on a, book? a good teammate there
0: yeah
2: yeah she's uh she's working on a, on a little book yeah about uh, starting a cafe cool um yeah I mean she's doing all kinds of things she's pretty amazing
0: cool yeah we can line that up for the future uh, I'd be interested to learn about that uh that's awesome few, so
1: awesome. oh man well well my friends Christian well, yeah good to see you I mean it's like
0: Oh, shoot. Lost him at the end.
1: We lost him. That's we got through it. Jay, was that was that okay? Was that over here?
0: Oh, yeah. That was fun. Absolutely. Okay. He'll be back. I bet if we just count to 10, he'll unfreeze. So, um, oh, yeah. there he He's, yeah, back.
1: Yeah, he's right. back. He's back. He's back. He's back.
0: Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah so um, thanks a lot, Christian. Totally I really appreciate awesome. you taking the time. Yeah. And uh, yeah, if yeah. next time yeah. you're over here, drop us a line. We'll and, do. Uh, we'll and do. I've actually not, it, I've
2: not been back there since, since like 2000, wow, 11. Oh, it's whoa. been ages since oh, I've been no. in a run. Wow. So long.
0: Yeah.
2: So long. Yeah.
0: yeah. Perfect. Well, Kurt will get it's that race together and, and uh, we'll make that. Uh, up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Come, come, no, come. My parents,
2: my parents always come over here. So it's like, uh, and my mom comes for like five months and my dad comes for like three. Oh, wow. At, like during that those five months. So it's like, I mean, they're always over here. It's uh, much nicer for them to, to spend the winter here than, uh, yeah, or easier than for me. It's, it's actually not an easy place to get to, like, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Holy okay. cow. Yeah.
0: Um,
2: <laughs> but, yeah, I definitely need to make the trip. I need to make a trip to to Canada in general and just visit a lot of people because it's and if,
1: if you're looking if you're looking f- to set up some running thing I'm happy to happy to assist and get a community together to go for a run with you here but um awesome yeah. that'd be amazing yeah
0: yeah, yeah Christian if oh, you nice. don't
1: mind I, d- I did whip up a little story yeah. if you have a headshot please please uh it would love a, a okay. for for a for a sure. there's a, there's a a publication that like publishes your story but anyway I know awesome, uh, awesome. Oh, cool I got okay. that now uh, right. and Christian, I've got to, have got to head off, but it was very, it was excellent. This was super cool. Christian. Yeah. Um, keep, Thanks a lot. Keep it up, cool. man. Thanks guys. Hey, right.
2: have a good That'll one. Do. All right.
0: Hey, guys. See you soon. All right.